Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Big, big welcome to everyone in the room and a big welcome to everyone joining us online. Can we just welcome our online community? Great to have you joining us. Those listening in via podcast at a later date, thanks for being part of today's message. I want to encourage you to keep coming into church. Those watching online, if you can make it into the building, make it into the building because there is no place I'd rather be. It is just such a great atmosphere here today. All right, we're going to jump into the Word. Five weeks ago, I did part two of a message called the treasure test. Does anyone remember the treasure test? I want to conclude that today, and part three of that. And it's part of our wisdom series to help us make better decisions and have fewer regrets in our lives. Our series passage comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. There neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We talked about how easy it is to, to read this passage wrong. For where your heart is, there your treasure is. But actually, where you put your treasure, your, your time, your money, your resources, your heart will follow after that. And our heart follows wherever we place our treasure. Now, there are a few clear tests on understanding and handling our treasure. Week one, we looked at the ownership test. Remember Psalm 24, verse 1? The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. All of everything we have belongs to God. Number Week two, we looked at the stewardship test. The ability to wisely manage what God has entrusted us with. Number three, the generosity test. When we choose to live a life of generosity, others get to live a life of opportunity. The why test the week after, God wants to bless me. Why? So I can be a blessing to others. So this week, we're going to jump into test number five, which is the contentment test. Don't all cheer at once. <laughs> First Timothy Chapter 6, verse 10 says this, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul writing to Timothy says the two greatest gains you can have in your life, we, all, we, all like to, we talk about gains, we like to talk about wins. Well, Paul, Paul gives us two wins, two gains for our lives. The first gain is this, a relationship with Christ. Godliness. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, by the time we conclude this service, we're going to give you an opportunity. He said the second win, the second greatest win for life, is to live life with contentment. And today, our goal when we leave is to have a great gain. Who would be great to leave this service today with a great gain? To have gained some knowledge, some wisdom, and to add something to our lives. So I'm going to share 10 thoughts today. I don't normally share 10, but I'm going to share 10 thoughts. So I want to encourage you to pull out your phone or your notepads and pens. I'm going to share 10 thoughts. They might not help you today, but they will certainly help you at some point in the next few weeks or months. Okay? And I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to share five damaging effects of a life without contentment. So discontentment. And then I'm going to share five secrets from the scriptures on a life of contentment. 
The opposite to content is the word more. We live in a world which has programmed us to wanting more. Oliver Twist said it in, in Dickens' play. He said, please, sir, can I have some more? More. Whenever I want more, which I do, and I want to be honest today, this is a very much working progress for me. Okay, so this isn't something like for all of us that we've ever achieved, but we're on a journey to becoming. Whenever I want more, which I do, the Bible says it brings five damaging effects to our lives. Whenever we're constantly wanting more, there are five things the Bible says that happens to our lives, damaging effects. Number one is this, wanting more brings more tiredness. In the race to accumulate more, we get more tired. We want to get more, so we have to get a second job. If we get a second job, we have less time to recuperate and rest, and so we get tired. We get a second car, we get a holiday home, but with that brings so much fatigue. Whenever you want more, you'll always be more tired. Proverbs 23 verse 4, King Solomon, he writes on all these five things. He says this, don't wear yourself out to be rich. Have the wisdom to know when to show restraint. So whenever we want more, which is the opposite to contentment, it has a damaging effect of fatigue and tiredness on our life. Number two is this, wanting more brings more expenses. You're taking notes, write this down, it always costs more to have more. It's got to be serviced, it's got to be looked after, it's got to be maintained. Again, King Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, he talks about this. He says in chapter 5, verse 11, the New Living Translation, the more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So if you want a bigger garden, guess what? You're going to have to pay a gardener to help you spend it. I heard this quote recently in America. It said, I used to dream of the salary I'm now starving on. So we struggle to make ends meet. Why? Because we keep moving the ends. We keep moving the ends and we wonder why we struggle to make ends meet. Because we've accumulated so much stuff. You know, we all know people have accumulated so much stuff, they actually have to rent somewhere to put the stuff in. So I, I, I don't think the issue is that necessarily we don't always make enough. I think the issue can be we want too much. And this will be a very challenging session today, okay? But it's going to be a helpful session to help us live with great gain, as Paul said, a life of contentment. And, you know, Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all my needs. Often our needs and our greeds get mixed up. We get them mixed up. So wanting more brings more expenses. Number three is wanting more can create more anxiety. Ecclesiastes 5.13 in the Good News Version says, The rich man has so much that he stays awake worrying. More often than not, more means more anxiety. Again, I heard this in America on a podcast that insomnia increases with income. Interesting. It's interesting that King Solomon was ahead of his time. You see, the, the more money we make, the less sleep we may take. So we worried we might lose it, 
Someone else will steal it. So we stay awake and we worry about it. When we were at Bible school, 2001, I lived with five or six lads from all over the planet and we all met for the first time, but we all had one thing in common. We didn't have anything. And it was quite freeing. I, I got given a three-inch mattress on the floor, which I stayed on for two years, and um, we had an old television and we stole a couch from a skip. And that was pretty much how we lived for two years. Mum came over a couple of times. She was in shock horror at how her son was living. But the interesting thing is, as much as we didn't have anything, we also didn't have a door key. Because we didn't need one. Because when you don't have anything, you don't need to lock it up. So, we, you know, sometimes living with five people in a house, it's, have you lost your key? We didn't need a key because we just let the door on. Sometimes there'd be, you know, strangers wandering around. But it didn't really matter because there was nothing. If they wanted my mattress, it was all theirs. But there was nothing. You see, the more you have in life, actually the more you have to worry. Now, here's the challenge. If we have more tiredness, more expenses, and more anxiety, it leads to number four. Wanting more leads to more conflict. Proverbs, again, King Solomon, 1527 says, A greedy man brings trouble on his family. What's the number one reason for, that people file for divorce in this country? Money. Money. Financial tension causes so much conflict in the home. Now let me just let you into a little Norman family secret. When our kids have more, they fight more. Any parent be brave enough just to... Go. When you give your kids more, they seem to fight more. And on a holiday, it was four of us in one room for most of the time, and it was interesting. But what we realized is when we removed technology, because that's the thing they want more of, it's World War III for 15, 20 minutes, and then everything seems just to calm down. That actually, with more comes more conflict. And actually, sometimes in life, the less you give your kids, the less you... Actually, the simplicity of life actually brings so much more peace and tranquility into the home. Number five, and this is the final one, and then we'll get into some more positive thoughts. Wanting more brings more dissatisfaction. You ever bought a new car, a new picture, a new Xbox, a new PS5, new phone, new pair of trainers, and the first few days, it brings us so much pleasure, so much satisfaction, so much contentment. What happens is we get bored. We get dissatisfied, so we need something else. So we end up purchasing to try and fill the gap of the discontentment that the last thing brought. Now let's have another honest moment in church. Who is happy right now with your Christmas gifts from last year? Well, the, the problem is, I'm guessing, who'll be honest, I can't remember what I even got. And you definitely can't remember what you got in 2021. Why? Because in the moment, there was so much satisfaction, so much contentment, yet beauty fades. So satisfaction moves to dissatisfaction. Once again, King Solomon 
ahead of his game, ahead of his time, he says this, Ecclesiastes 5.10, if you love money, you will never be satisfied. Now, if somebody was writing this who was poor, I would probably dismiss it. So if a poor person was writing that, you know, it's easy for a poor person to say money or never. But King Solomon at the time was probably the wealthiest person on planet Earth. And he is writing, if you love money, which he probably has had challenges with, you will never be satisfied. Now here's some good news. The Bible shares five secrets to living a life of contentment. We can't do this alone. From the scriptures, the book of Philippians, Paul shares five secrets for building contentment into our lives. Now, I can trust the writer of this letter because as he writes this letter, he is sitting in a Roman jail. Okay, so again, he is not sitting on his holiday home in Barbados talking about living a life of contentment. He is sitting in a jail. So these are true words coming from his heart. He says, Philippians 4 to 12, I know what it is to be in need, which he is right now, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Apostle Paul is saying contentment is not something that we necessarily know, but something we learn. We are all on a journey to discovering contentment. And this is a 44-year message in progress. And if I'm honest, I struggle with all five of these. But it's a journey that I'm prepared to go on because godliness with contentment leads to great gain. And I want my life to experience great gain. So the first is this. The first thought, first secret that Paul shares is this. Contentment is found from within. From within. The Greek word for contentment is akaros, to be independent of external circumstances. Often, we're so programmed because of social media and marketing that contentment is found from the outside in. Paul says no. He says contentment is found from the inside out. The first secret of contentment is we need more. Not of the outside, we need more of the inside. Psalm 91.1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the mighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. We find contentment from the secret place from within. Now, I'm going to be pretty straight with us here on a couple of things today. You cannot and I cannot live a life of contentment without reading my Bible. Just going to be straight with you. Oh, I'm just gonna, people who go from thing to thing often it's because they don't have a connection, a relationship with the Bible. The Bible brings contentment because it fills our hearts with the promises of God. Contentment begins in His Word. I love this book. I love my Bible. We didn't have many disappointments on holiday, but as Chantel mentioned, she lost her Bible on holiday. Okay, we were ministering at a church, and um, she left it in the church and never returned. Okay, I don't know if someone's got that now. If you have got it, send it back. Stealing a Bible is still stealing. <laughs> Especially Chantel's. Trust me, I was with her family. 
That's all I'm saying. They will find you, and they have a certain set of skills that I do not have <laughs> taken. So she lost her Bible, and you know, it was like she'd lost something huge from her life. It was huge. It wasn't just flippant, oh, I can get another one from Amazon. It was like, this is my treasure. She treasures her Bible. It is written on, it is, she just, it's her, and it was like somebody had taken her treasure from her. And, you know, I said to her, well, the good thing is you've got your Bible on your phone. And she said, it's just not the same. You see, your Bible on your phone can probably do a thousand different things. You can play games on it, you can do your banking on it, you can Tesco Club Points accumulation app on there. You've got all sorts of fun things on our phones. Your Bible can do one thing, speak to you from the heart of God. So she lost her Bible, and it was interesting because it showed me how much she treasured it, because she realized that she received so much contentment. We went into you know, her, her, some of her family situations, but I realized that the greatest treasure she has is the Word of God. We need the Word of God. Well, it's okay, John. I, 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 I read verse of the day on the Bible app. Good on you. It's like eating a carrot stick for breakfast. You can't survive on a carrot stick. Carrots are good for you. They help you see in the dark, apparently. But we need to feast. The Bible says in Joshua, meditate on the word of God day and night. We cannot live a life of contentment without God's word. Contentment comes from a relationship with God. I also want to be straight on this as well. You can't have contentment in your life if you've got secret sin. You can never be content in life if you're hiding stuff. Secret sins. Can I encourage you? If you're struggling with sin, talk to someone you trust. Talk to your group leader. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a leader in the church. But you can never live a life of contentment if you're struggling with secret sin. Because you're always thinking, I might get caught. I might, someone might find out. So you can never be content with skeletons in the closet. Nobody is shouting amen right now. It's true. Contentment is found within. Number two, contentment is found in my now. Now, I spent, I'm going to be honest here, I spent the first seven years of Soul Church, building up just before the start of COVID, leading from a place of discontentment, always wanting more. And some of that is, by the way, some of that is really positive because it keeps pushing you forward and we need God dreams. And, but there's also when you want more for the wrong reasons. That's why Chantelle and I, we committed to, to, to Norwich. We're not going and planting churches all over the world or all over the city. We're committed here because we feel so contented just living here, being here, pastoring here. We don't need to just go and try and be anywhere else. This is where God's called us. But during COVID, God taught Chantelle and I many things, especially me. He taught us this big lesson. Be content in the now. Enjoy this moment. Enjoy today. Enjoy, I mean, imagine, I mean, how good did we have it during COVID? I mean, first of all, the weather was amazing. 
We're going to stay at home, eat barbecue, weren't disturbed by anyone. And yet, we were pushing it away and pushing today away. And so many times we're constantly either living in yesterday, the fear of the mistakes we made yesterday, or living in tomorrow, the fear of what may happen tomorrow. And guess what happens? We miss the pleasure of today. And so the challenge that God has been speaking to me about over the last few weeks is trying to be really happy where I'm at on the journey to where I'm going. Try to be really happy, John, on the journey of where I'm at on the way to where God's called me. And I don't think contentment is not asking God for things. So this isn't a message saying, you know, we've got to be poor, we've got to live with nothing. And God. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Contentment is asking God for something, but being content with the if, the when, and the how of how he gives it. So God, I, I'm believing you for a new home. I'm believing you to pay my mortgage off. I'm believing you, God, for this new business startup. I'm believing you, God. But God, I'm just going to be content with today on the journey to where I'm going. Now, that's the challenge. You see, we live on average 27,000 days. And I'm well over halfway. And the enemy is constantly trying to get us in yesterday and constantly trying to get us in tomorrow. The enemy hates it when we're enjoying today. If you're sitting in church today and you're enjoying it, the devil hates it. Because he wants your mind in the mistakes that you made this week, last month, and he wants you in the fear of tomorrow. I don't know what university to get to. I don't know how I'm going to pay my interest on my, on my new mortgage. I, I don't, and, and so we miss what God has prepared for us today. That's why the word David said, this is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. Not in that or that, but in it. And so many of us are not where we want to be right now. And God understands that. We want to be in a different city or a different country or in a different job. And, you know, I'll be honest, I want to be in the new building. We've got 29 Sundays left in this building. Let's not waste one of them. Let's not waste this air conditioning of these beautiful doors just sweeping through. And men will never get one toilet and two urinals ever again. We'll never get sweaty Sundays or freezing Sundays ever again. So let's not waste them. You know, I wanted the school holidays desperately a few weeks ago, and now um, I'm thinking about the term and when it begins. And Any parents out there going, that's a long six weeks. Who's 16? Let me wave you 16, 17. When I was 16, all I wanted to be was 21. Now I'm 44, all I want to be is 21. <laughs> you know, we just got to enjoy the season that God has put us in right now. Enjoy where we're at whilst we're waiting for God to take us to the next thing. If you're single, I'm going to ask you, give, you, no, give, give me a wave if you're single. Have a look around, it could be your moment. <laughs> steady, steady, steady. This isn't a date in sight, this is church. Honestly, this church, Chantel. <laughs> if you're single, you are going to be married for the rest of your life, so just enjoy tonight being single. 
Just enjoy it. If you're married, I'm going to say, I'm not going to go there. Be so careful. Where's my wife? There she is. She's hiding. Be careful. But if you're married, treasure every moment. Treasure every moment. None of us know what's around the corner. I remember when my dad left and left my mama as a widow, but she never saw it coming. It happened so quick. We've got to treasure the moments that we have. Don't wait for your wedding anniversary or a birthday to go and have a celebration. Celebrate today. Have a cake today. Give her a cuddle tonight. Don't allow intimacy just to be on special occasions. I'm just helping people. I'm just helping you. Just helping the church. If you have children, value every second. I turn to my, my daughter. She's, she's somewhere. Where are you, Miracle? There she is. She's like nearly a teenager. I'm freaking out. I looked at Naya and her beautiful little daughter. That was Miracle just two days ago. And it's like they're shooting up and everything's changing. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, whoa, what has happened? It's um, we can miss, miss the moment because we're not enjoying the now. So if you don't have kids yet, hold dearly to every lion. Yes. <laughs> hold dearly only paying for two dinners on a night out. Just hold dearly to the joys of those things. You know, we got to, I think there's four things we've got to work against, four spirits or four words we've got to work against, and it's these four words, if I just had. Yes. If I just had. We've got to look at what God's given us today. If I just had the car, if I just had the house, if I just had the, whatever it is, I'd be happy. I think that God wants us to be happy in the now. Turn to your person next to you and say, I'm going to get happy now. I'm getting happy right now. Happiness is found in the now. I was speaking to a gentleman who's potentially going to help us with the new building in the States. And um, we were having breakfast together and I was talking to him. And he was just encouraging my faith and helping me. And I was sharing some of in his 70s and he was sharing some fatherly advice and wisdom. I'm always looking for guys of that age to invest into me because I need fathers. And, and I, I was speaking to this guy and I said, you know, just share. And he said, John, he said, you've got to learn the art. This is where this came. You've got to learn the art of being content in life. He said, let me share you a story with you. He said, he's got grandchildren, six or seven grandchildren. They went to Disneyland, California. And uh, he's, got a beautiful, he's got a business, a beautiful home. And when they're at Disneyland in California with his children and his grandchildren, he gets a phone call from his, one of his blokes at work, and he says, he says, I've got some really bad news. He says, as I'm on the phone, he says, your house is burning to the ground. He says, your house is burning to the ground. And in that moment, it's obviously, your heart would sink to receive that phone call, especially being so far away. And, and he said he had to make a decision from Paul's letter, what he was going to do in the now. He thanked the gentleman 
He said, I can't do anything right now. He pulled his wife to the side. He said, I just need to share with you what's happening back home. And she grabbed his hands and she said this. She said, Father God, I pray that you would protect anything that we need in our future. And she looked at her husband. She said, the show must go on. They didn't mention it to their children or their grandchildren. They said, we're going to stay at Disneyland for the next few days and not allow the enemy to steal what God had prepared for them. And that was a huge challenge to me because I am a reactive kind of person. I'd want to get there and get a hose pipe and put it out. And the story was that one of the treasures that was kept was that lady's Bible. It was protected in the fire. The thing that she treasured the most. Sometimes, you know, as we talked about the ownership test, it's all his anyway. Sometimes there'll be times in our life, you know, we've had experience of fire as a church 16, 17 years ago, and God, but you know, he always replaces, and he gives you back. But the secret to it is, God, I'm just going to be content with what you have for me in the now. You know, I want to encourage you today. As Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content. Imagine if you and I learned that secret of being content. In every situation where my house is sitting there, tranquil in the sunshine, or it's on fire, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I have learned the secret of being content. Paul is saying, whatever life throws at us, God is teaching us the secret of contentment. You know, often our worship is a reflection of our contentment. I'll praise God if you give me a pay rise. I'll praise God when I get the job. I'll praise God once I'm healed. I'll praise God once he gets me a boyfriend, not like the last one. I'll praise God. The question is, can you praise God when the house is on fire? Can you praise God when life is falling to pieces? That's heartfelt worship. When you can come into this atmosphere and lift your hands and say, God, my life is falling apart. My job is falling apart. But right now, I'm going to worship you because that is a sign of contentment. <laughs> worship is a sign of our contentment. Number three is this. Contentment is found, number one, within. Number two, in the now. Number three, contentment is found in my gratitude. In my gratitude. If we ever want God to give us anything, we have to be thankful for what he's already given us. Paul's speaking in Philippians 4, 6, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Got to thank him for what he's done. Can't expect God to give us something new if we're complaining about what we've got. Oh, this car is driving me crazy. So angry. Oh, Lord, bless me with a new car. Well, if we're angry with what we've been given, God's not going to bless us with what we've asked for. Sometimes it's just being content with what God has given us. And there's an old saying that says, whatever we focus on gets bigger. And if we focus on all our needs and our negatives and our greeds, if we focus on all those things in our life, the thing is they will get bigger and bigger and bigger. One thing I love about church is when we come into this atmosphere, God gets bigger and our needs get smaller. The challenge is Monday morning when the postman brings the invoice, when the situation at work it seems to be getting bigger. Can we say this, oh, magnify the Lord with me. 
Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. I want to encourage you this week. Your word is a magnifying glass. Your word is a magnifying glass. I want to encourage you. Don't try and make your problems smaller. Try and magnify the Lord so he gets bigger. If you just try and magnify your problems, how am I going to get out of that? How am I going to get through this debt? How am I going to get through this season of famine that we're facing right now? All that's going to happen is it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. When we come into this atmosphere and we lift our hands and as Chantel started singing about the joy of the Lord, what happens is our problems, they might not get any smaller, but God gets bigger. God gets bigger. God is fighting those challenges. And Paul chooses and challenges us what we focus on. We can focus on what we need or what God has done. Right now, we can focus on the shortfall of the miracle needed to get into our new building. Let me tell you, we have some huge mountains ahead for us as a church, financial mountains. I've been challenged over the last few weeks in America to stop focusing on the problems on the mountains and start thinking about how far we've come. Do you know how far we've come over the last six years in fundraising in this church? It is a miracle. Over the next few weeks, we'll be sharing just how much we've raised over the last, you know, we've still got a shortfall. It's a, a big shortfall, but my focus has got to be, wow, God, look what you have done. Chantel went to visit a dear, a dear soul in our church. She's 90 years young, and she can't make it to church at the moment because of her health. And she was praying over at the end. This little lady goes, I've got something for the church. And she ran out and she brought five pounds of coins. She said, I've been saving these up for your new building, our new building. She said, make sure you give this and make sure you give this to Pastor John and make sure this is, this is my contribution for the new building. Well, I can choose whether I focus on the big problems ahead of us and the big, ma- or I can choose to focus because for that little lady, that was her everything. That was the pennies. That was what she'd saved up to put her seed in the ground for our new children. I encourage you, encourage you. We've got to take our eyes, our eyes off our situation and keep our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Sat on a plane from Dallas to El Paso in Texas. Sat next to this couple. He was the mayor of a city near close to El Paso. I was telling him the story. He opened his wallet. He put a load of notes in my hand. He said, make sure you put that seed in the ground of your new church. Wow. I can focus on the big mountain. Actually, God is a reminder that God is still with us on the journey. God will not fail us. Whether I'm sitting next to a stranger or Chantel's visiting a dear soul in our church, God keeps reminding me he's on the journey with us. He will not fail us. If we focus on our problems, they're going to get bigger and bigger and are bigger. Come on, oh, magnify the Lord of me. Who needs to magnify the Lord today? Come on, just for 30 seconds. Come on, just magnify the Lord. Come on, thank him right now. Come on, thank him. Lift up those holy hands. Lift up those unique hands of worship. Come on, let's have a praise break just for two minutes. Come on, worship the Lord. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his greatness in your life. Thank him for your job. It might not be your dream job, but it's your job. Thank him for your car. It might not be a dream car, but it's a car. Come on, you begin to thank him. You begin to thank him in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus' name. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing but in everything.
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Underline thanksgiving in your Bible. Because when we're stressed, I want to encourage you, if you are stressed right now, if you are stressed, start by being thankful for three things. I want you to write these things. If you, if, you, if, you, if you face stress on a daily basis, I want you to start your daily devotion with these three things. Number one, thank God he loves you, he's carrying you, he won't leave you. God, I want to thank you today that you love me. I don't always get it right. I have a stinking bad attitude sometimes. I mess up, but God, you love me, and I want to say thank you. Second thing is, God, I want to thank you that you're carrying me through this day. In advance, as I go into that meeting, that situation, that hospital appointment, you are carrying me. Thirdly, he won't leave me. People leave us, he will not leave me. Thankfulness and stress release are joined at the hip. Let me put this in perspective. Just give me a show of hands if you have a working refrigerator in your home. A working one. Even if it rattles, it works. Now I'm told, it's on Google, so if it's on Google it's got to be true. But if you have a working refrigerator, that we are in the top 10 wealthiest people on planet Earth. It's amazing when you get a little bit of perspective. Actually, I'm grateful. Sam and Colin have just come back from the Philippines. Sam's going to come up in a moment. and They've been in some of the poorest prisons on planet Earth. They have nothing, these men. They've been in some of the orphanages out there, and they have nothing. Yet they have everything, because they have Jesus, and they are content. And so often or not, we just have to bring perspective into our lives to gain contentment. And I've found if I surround myself with brokenness, it's easier to stay thankful. I'll say that again. When I surround myself with brokenness, it's easier to stay thankful. You know, it amazes all of us, the lack of gratitude in our world. So I'll encourage you this week, look for ways to surround yourself with brokenness, whether that's having a conversation with someone on the street, whether that's supporting a compassion child, whether that's visiting a neighbor maybe who's, who's broken, battling mental health, whatever it is, but an opportunity this week to surround yourself with brokenness. And look for ways to be thankful, even when you pick your kids up today. You know, we don't have much resource for kids' ministry in terms of space and finance right now. And our kids deem it do a phenomenal job, especially in these warm climates, to look after our children. Why don't we just say thank you to them? Why don't we just say thank you? And don't just do that here, but as you pick your children up, just grab one of the leaders. You know, sometimes a thank you will keep them going. Sometimes a thank you keeps a volunteer going. Do you know, sometimes just one word from someone just keeps me going, so it was worth it. Sometimes it's just a word from someone, just say, just want to thank you. Just take their arm and say, I just want to thank you for serving in the car park. Thank you for making me a nice cup of coffee. Sometimes it's just the small things in life encourage you to keep saying thank you. Number four, contentment is found in my self-worth. My self-worth. Despite what the media, ag- advertising, marketing tells us, life is not about things. Have you noticed the push on social media for things? 
constantly adverts, bombarding you with things that you need to, to, to help you be happy. But contentment is not found in my net worth. Contentment is found in my self-worth, knowing who I am in Christ. The greatest acquisitions we can have in life are never things but relationships. 1 Timothy 6-7, Paul says, We brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. The worst way you and I can build a life is to build a pile. To build a pile of stuff that we can't take with us. Life is simply about relationships, learning how to love God and learning how to love others. And our true success in life is not what we have, but who we have. And if we have Jesus, we have everything. If we have people around us that we treasure, we have everything. My value today is in Christ. My value is not how others see me, how many followers I have on Instagram, how many people like my posts, my self-worth and my value come from how Christ sees me. He sees me as fearfully and wonderfully made. He sees me as a treasure. He sees me as forgiven. Contentment is found in my self-worth and we're gonna bring this to a close, that contentment, contentment is found in my holy discontentment. Now let me just show you what God's been showing me over the last few weeks. Our world is truly broken. Truly broken. Messed up probably beyond anything imaginable. It's unfair. It's unjust. Our world is completely shattered. So much of the inequalities, the prejudices, the immoralities, the evils, the racism, the thing that we see on our screens that make us so mad. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but it may never change. It may never change. It may never get any better than it is today. So there is a part of me that is actually never going to be truly content because this is not my final destination. There's so many things in our world. Who, who just sees me? I, I want to fix that. I want to fix that. And we can't. We can fix our little world and be kind and loving and caring and being a good steward of the planet and all the things that are happening and the climate and all those things. And we can try and fix our little bits. And I, I love all that. But the reality is, we may never be able to fix the big problems of this world. This world is not going to fix itself this side of eternity. If I'm really honest, I think it's going to get worse. Philippians 3.20 says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we eagerly wait for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power which he will bring everything under his control. His control. And the problem is the world is under man's control. And because it's under man's control, it will remain broken. So does that mean if we can't fix it, we give up? Absolutely not. We continue to share the hope, the love of Jesus. And we can make a difference and we are making a difference. And we'll do everything we can to keep going. But there is a spiritual part of us which will never be 
completely content until we meet Jesus. We will never be completely healed and whole until we meet Jesus. And that's why sometimes in church I'm not fully content because I know there's more. Maybe I'll see that more this side of eternity or on the next, but I know that there is more. I know that there's more. Maybe our healing will come this side of eternity or that side of eternity. All I know is I'll keep believing, but I know that one day my body will be fully healed and your body will be fully healed. One day I'm believing for all the various things that we pray for. And maybe they will happen in this lifetime, but if they don't, they will certainly happen in the next because it's this glorious discontentment inside of me that keeps me going because this is not my home. I'm simply passing through. And I'm grateful, actually, I can't be fully content with this world. But one day I will be fully content. That's why Paul talks about contentment as a journey because there's one final destination, which is heaven where we will receive, we will receive and experience the fullness of his glory and the fullness of what true contentment will be. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we stand to our feet? I'm gonna pray right now for those who saying, John, I, I do struggle with contentment struggle with those first five things and also I want to be committed to putting those five secrets to living a life of contentment into practice I know for some of you maybe you've been asking God for something and it hasn't happened if God doesn't give you something there's three reasons if you've been praying for something there's three reasons number one it's the wrong time number two it's the wrong thing or number three he has something better he has something better for you But it's in that process where we go through it all, through it all, I learn to trust in Jesus. I learn to trust in all. So I'm gonna just say, God, today, I trust you. I trust you. And I'm not gonna skip what you have for me today because I'm worried about what happened yesterday or I'm in fear of what's gonna happen tomorrow. God, I'm committed to living a contented life today. I don't want to miss my lunch today. I don't want to miss the things that you have for me this afternoon and this evening because I'm so taken up with the worries and the cares of this world. If you're saying, John, I'm coming on the journey. I want to live a life, a journey of contentment. I know I'll never be fully contented until I see Jesus, but God, I want to give it everything I can on this planet earth. I want you to slip up your hand right now. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. God is here right now. Father, you you know everything that's going on in our lives. You, You know the disappointments, the setbacks, the mistakes. You know the times we got it right. You know the times we got it wrong. And Father, we say sorry for the times we've looked for contentment on the outside, trying to fill that gap that only you can fill. So I pray today that you would come, Holy Spirit, and fill that gap in people's lives, the gap that they're trying to fill with so many things. Father, you would fill the void. Only you can fill it, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, give us a fresh desire and a hunger for your greatest treasure, which is your word. Your word I have hidden in my heart so I may not sin against you. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would treasure your word. We would treasure the 6,000 promises in your scriptures for us. And Father, we pray for contentment in the now. Contentment in the now. 
Lord, we wouldn't rush ahead to tomorrow or be fearful of yesterday. Lord, we would be content in everything that you prepared for us for today. Today we say thank you. We say thank you for what you've done. We say thank you. Come on, just thank him right now. Thank you for providing for me in the past. Thank you for getting me halfway through 2023. Thank you for getting me out of hospital. Thank you for healing me from cancer. Thank you for providing all my needs. Thank you for clearing my debts. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for my wife. We say thank you today. We say thank you. And Lord, contentment comes from our self-worth, not our net worth. So Father, right now, we are content in how you see us. Not how others see us, but how you see us. Your word says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. Father, we would take satisfaction in how you see us today. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Father, you know that true contentment will one day be found when we see you face to face. We see just how messed up and dark and broken our world is. Lord, but I pray, Lord, that you would protect us. Keep us from all evil, as David said in Psalm 91. Protect our children, Father God. Keep us safe. We thank you, Father, for who you are. You're a good, good Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray right now. If you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, you've come to church today, maybe you're watching online, but you've never made a decision to receive Jesus as your personal Savior. Become a Christian. This is your moment. You see, as I said right at the start, true contentment begins with a relationship with God. So all these other things don't matter unless it starts with a relationship here on the inside. Maybe you're trying to find peace and happiness and contentment on the outside by getting this and that. But still there's this missing gap in your life. That's because Jesus is the only thing that can truly bring ultimate peace, purpose and satisfaction to your life. Today I want to give you an opportunity to receive his love, receive his forgiveness. This is your moment. From the front to the back, the left to the right, those watching online, this is for you. I want every Christian right now just to close your eyes and bow your head. I'm going to count to three. If you say, John, pray for me. You're speaking to me in that moment. I want to receive Jesus. I want to make my peace with God. When I get to three, all I want you to do is just slip up your hand long enough and high enough so I can see. Say, John, would you pray for me? One, he loves you. Two, have the courage right now to respond to his love. Three, just slip up your hand. Say, John, pray for me all over this room. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. 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 That's it. Anyone else? God bless you here. God bless you. God bless you. Take so much courage. I see your hand. Good on you. Take so much courage to lift your hand in such a large group of people. As you acknowledge God, today He promises that He will acknowledge you. He will come and live inside of your heart. Begin a relationship with you. I'm going to say a prayer right now. In fact, we're all going to say it together. It's going to come up on the screens behind me. We're going to say it together. This is where you let go of the past. You let go of the sin, the outside stuff, and you allow Jesus to come and live on the inside. So let's say this together. Dear Lord Jesus, 
Thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my heart and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Would you congratulate everyone who's said that prayer? You lifted your hand, even if you didn't, but you felt in that moment a connection with God. We've got a gift for you. It's a Bible. It's Mark's Gospel. It's in a modern-day translation, so you'll be able to understand it. It's also packed with everyday stories of people's lives who've been transformed by Jesus. Our team will be outside in the foyers. And even if you didn't lift up your hand, but you don't have a Bible, take some of it. Because remember, this is treasure. This is the treasure that we live by, and it will help you. So please let someone know. The biggest thing is let someone know you've made that decision today. And as you do that, I believe, believe that God is going to help you and your life is going to move forward. Amen. The last thing I want to say is this. The last six years, everything has come against our new church. COVID, church is closed. The outbreak of war on our continent. The increase in material prices. The nutrient neutrality issue. And other challenges which, is, which one day maybe I can share. But nothing that God has intended for us is going to stop it. I'm going to remind you this. Nothing that God has intended for you, anyone can stop. And so in the gap between what God's got for you and where you're at, stay content. If God's given you a promise for health, your children will be in church. If God's given you that promise in this lifetime, you hold on to everything that God has intended for you. Because nothing can stop what God has intended for you. So hold on to it. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Come on, let's worship together. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.